Hello, I'm Reverend Shannon Moore, and you're listening to the Simple Worship Podcast, recorded each week at University Christian Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Every Sunday at 9.30 a.m., we gather in the Chapel of the Good Shepherd to sing, take communion, and worship. If you'd like to join us, in person or virtually, please visit our website, universitychristian.org, for more details. Today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 15, about halfway through that chapter. It picks up following a series of examples of Jesus being very Jesus-y, if you will. I don't, that was not in the commentary. I made that up. Um, he has been standing up to the religious leaders because he healed people on the Sabbath, and then one day his disciples were plucking grain on the Sabbath, and so he just kind of volleyed back to them some scripture, told them that they were hypocrites, and explained exactly what the Sabbath is. He shocked people when he declared that his relationship with his disciples and his other followers was more important than his relationship with his birth family. He gave up the opportunity for alone time, some time in prayer as he was grieving the death of John the Baptist because his compassion overtook his need for that time alone. He saw great need. He was moved by his compassion and he healed these groups of people who had searched for him. And then he fed those people, thousands of people, with just a few morsels of food that were available. There were baskets full of leftovers to boot, showing just how plentiful and extravagant God's grace is. And then if you were here last week, you may remember that we talked about Jesus walking across the stormy sea toward his disciples who were being tossed about in a boat, and then he calmed the sea. And that prompted them, after a long time of following Jesus, to recognize, you are the Son of God. And they worshiped him. Today in chapter 15, Jesus is once again confronted by the religious leaders. This time they send the big guns from Jerusalem. They are concerned that Jesus' disciples are breaking the tradition of the elders by not washing their hands before they eat. And I can just imagine Jesus thinking, y'all came all the way from Jerusalem for this? He snaps back with them to them with a lecture about their hypocrisy and how they value tradition over God. And then he turns to his disciples and he explains to them, eating with unclean hands is not a big deal. It's not important. What goes in the mouth doesn't matter. What comes out of your mouth is what's important. That is what defiles because what comes out of your mouth starts here in your heart. And it's reflected in your actions and your words. What starts here and comes out, that's what defiles. What comes out of your mouth defiles. So we're going to pick up right after that at verse 21. Hear these words from Matthew chapter 15. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then... A Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting at us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. He answered, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. What is happening? I just want to say, Jesus, you were doing so good. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I never am quite sure how to process this story. And because it's Jesus, there's this temptation to make excuses for him or to kind of downplay the harshness. But it's hard not to admit that Jesus comes across pretty cold in this story. And I think if we step back and try to get a bird's eye perspective of where Jesus was, what had been going on in his life, we might get a little perspective on that. I mean, I imagine he was tired. He had been preaching nonstop. He'd been healing all these people. He's got this group of followers who don't quite get it. He's been at odds with the religious leaders. There's people crowding around him all the time. He can't find any time to himself for prayer and solitude. I'm not making an excuse for him, but I'm just imagining his mindset during this time in his ministry. Now, at the beginning of this reading, we find out that Jesus left the region where he had been and went to Tyre and Sidon. He was out of Jewish territory. He chose to go into outsider territory. And so he's now in a region of people that are considered unclean, defiled Canaanites, longtime enemies of Israel. There's even some shared heritage because of intermarrying. But they're not our kind of people, you know. And somebody comes out and follows him and his disciples. And she's got two strikes against her right out of the gate. She's Canaanite and she's a woman. And she calls out to Jesus, Lord, Son of David. And then she asks him, to have mercy on her. She's got all the right language. How does this foreign woman even know who Jesus is? Even his disciples who have been following him during his whole ministry just figured out he was the son of God in the last chapter after they saw him walking across the ocean. But she does know who he is. And she seems to know what he can do. So she's shouting, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. And Jesus says, nothing. Nothing. And then we got the peanut gallery, the disciples who come up to Jesus saying, send her away. She keeps shouting at us. And so here's Jesus with these Competing voices coming at us. Have mercy on me. Get rid of her. Have mercy on me. Get rid of her. Have mercy on me. Get rid of her. The disciples knew that she did not belong, that she was not worth Jesus' time and certainly not worth his effort. They're like the bouncers at the exclusive club, checking IDs and wardrobe attire. You, 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 not you. When Jesus finally says something, it's not to her. He turns to his disciples and says, I was only sent here for the lost sheep in the Jewish community. You guys are right. 
His hands are full already. He hadn't got time for outsiders. Then the woman stops following, comes around in front of him, kneels down in front of him, and says, Lord, help me. And then in what is probably my least favorite verse in the Bible, Jesus says it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Rude. He's referencing unclean Gentiles who keep dogs as pets, which was not common in the Jewish community. It's a zinger to make it very clear to her that she does not have a place at the table with the family. Imagine wanting something, needing something so desperately that you would get down on your knees and beg for it and then being ignored and then being insulted when they finally told you no. The shame, the humiliation, the anger. I think this is when I would have stood up and told Jesus exactly what I thought of him and stormed off. But this woman did not. She was not going to be deterred. Verse 27 she said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed from that moment. When the woman responded to Jesus in this way, I wonder if it was like a movie flashback, if he sort of saw himself in fuzzy uh, image and heard his own voice and reverb saying, it's what comes out of your mouth that defiles. <laughs> the tone change is palpable. You can almost imagine Jesus smiling as he says to the woman, You're, you have great faith. I'm, I'm going to do what you asked. So a happy ending. Kind of. I still find it disturbing that the woman felt resigned to accept a place not at the table, under it. There's a theologian named Carla Wirtz. She said, this woman places hope in what others have discarded. She's not trying to change Jesus' mind or distract him from his mission to the house of Israel. Even so, she seems to grasp what the disciples and even Jesus don't quite seem to get yet, which is that there is more than enough power and grace for Israel and outsiders with baskets full to spare. 
So as followers of Jesus, people of faith, what in the world can we take away from this story? I think we can delight in this very human Jesus who seems kind of surprised at his ability to step beyond his boundaries of how far God's grace can reach. He seems surprised by this. And I think we can evaluate our own selves, our lives at church, at work, at home, and recognize when we're closing in instead of opening up. And we can choose to stop gatekeeping, checking the IDs and the attire to keep people out, and instead join the people on the outside who are on their knees just asking for a crumb of grace from a table that we know is filled with abundance to challenge our traditions and practices that restrict God's mercy. There's an old hymn. It was written in 1862. It's called There's a Wideness in God's Mercy. Here's how part of it goes. 1862. But we make God's love too narrow by false limits of our own, and we magnify its strictness with a zeal God will not own. For the love of God is broader than the measures of the mind, and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. Thank you for listening to the Simple Worship Podcast. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at universitychristian.org. If you like this sermon, please share it with others. Thanks again, and have a blessed week.